What's going on, everyone? It's Greg Williams and Shakia Sykes. Welcome to the Grier Project podcast series. Now, you're probably like, Greg, what does Grier mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's five different letters that mean five different things. Gender, race, inclusion, equity, and allyship. Right, Shaq? Right. It's a podcast series that centers on celebrating diversity within New York City Department of Social Services, Human Resources Administration, and the Department of Homeless Services. We'll spotlight cutting-edge DEI practices and broaden listeners' perspectives on current DEI issues. Questions? I might skip some. Do what you want to do, Shaq. Listen, we are here at From Day One. You, you always do you. There's a lot of questions, Greg. So we are here at the From Day One conference in good old New York City. My name is Greg Williams. I'm the, yeah, the You host. forgot. He are forgot you? his title. I'm Shakia Sykes, the Director of Racial Equity Initiatives. We are at the Day One Conference in Midtown Manhattan. So we are talking to some of the foremost thought leaders in DEI, and we are here with Janine Nancy. Janine, <laughs> Now listen, I'm excited because Janine is the CEO of M-Train. Now if you don't know who M-Train is, well, we're just going to throw the website. She's going to throw the website out later. But Janine, how are you doing? I'm good, Greg. Thanks for having me here. <laughs> now listen, Janine, can you just give us a little bit about what is M-Train and what is the goal of the, the organization and everything? Yes, yes, yes. So M-Train is e-learning and analytics provider. Uh, we focus on ethics, respect, and inclusion. And we take a skills-based approach. Uh, you know, ethics, respect, and inclusion are outcomes that we're all striving for. And we're unpacking those outcomes into actual specific skills that we can all learn and measure. Wow. So how is this going to be helpful for DEI practitioners? Well, so, you know, having visibility into, we look at DEI um, as allyship curiosity, valuing differences, and at the organizational level, thinking systemically, that's our equity, mm -hmm. right? And so as we're pulsing on those skills in our content, and people are just answering the questions because they're just looking through like the videos and they're not thinking anything of it, we start to see in teams who's strong in curiosity, who's strong in allyship, who's strong in valuing differences. So DEI professionals now have a heat map to see where should they focus their time. Rather than trying to boil the ocean, let's just focus on those teams that can really you know, use the help and get us all tracking the right way. That's awesome. So creating organizational change through DEI, your um, organization helps uh, with that. It seems like you answered the first question about establish, establishing transparency in the workplace. It seems like since it's so data-driven, you get to uh, establish that at work. So can you tell me about, or tell us about some important resources every organization should be able to offer to employees? So I think actually being transparent, coming up with either their own skills matrix or you know, M-Train certainly has our recommended 16 skills matrix. And you know, kind of promoting that to the whole workforce employees, like, hey, if you wanna be you know, a top-notch employee or top-notch you know manager these are the skills you need to actually become really good at so starting to give those you know kind of that that framework to employees that they then are hopefully internally motivated to learn how to be an ally to learn how to show up and value differences in a really like healthy way and so that that then starts to telegraph 
know, uh, a really good dynamic to their whole team. That's a very good point. I feel like that's how you engage managers by sharing, oh, this is how you can be a better manager and pointing this out and for them to learn and just letting them know that rather than just saying, here, do this work. Uh, so I think that's really awesome to just kind of sell it to managers to get them more involved and engaged. And, and you know, when you're, and I totally agree, you're, you're ultimately like selling it and promoting mm -hmm. it. And I think the why is, is gonna get you easier dynamics on your team, right? And, and that's something that we can all relate to because in our personal lives, we've got you know, friendships, we've got families, mm -hmm. we've got romantic relationships. Those all take skill. I mean, let's face it, it takes skill. Uh, skill and a whole lot of patience. <laughs> and if you apply that same idea to your work relationships, uh, you know, people understand that. It's like, hey, you know what? We're going to take some time and we're going to, you know, develop some skills to better understand each other and interact in a, in a you know, more healthy way. Yeah. Yeah, I think that we're, we're working towards the same goal of trying to create equity and have equality across the board. Mm -hmm. But it's such a crazy time because in most workplaces, you have like five generations. So that's something that we talked about, you know, within uh, the M train uh, discussion group about how do you hone in on five different feelings, five different perspectives, you know, uh, for all of the different <clears throat> millennials, Gen X. And mm -hmm. we, we're not going to do it. Gen Alpha. We're not going to do it right now. <laughs> that's the younger one. Gen <laughs> Z. That's Gen the Z, one that's yeah. there. So <laughs> keeping in mind all these things, Janine, you know, how does M train help empower organizations? to foster a sense of belongingness. And why is that important in today's, you know, work economy? Well, let's start with that first. So, you know, it's important to foster a sense of belonging. So people are engaged at work and they feel like they can, you know, be themselves and do, and do their best work, right? As soon as that's not the situation, they're gonna turn out. And that's painful for teams, it's painful for managers, it's certainly painful for the employers because they're spending time investing their resources with every single person they bring on board. So having a person spin out is, is a lose-lose really for everyone, right? So it is important. Um, and how do we get there? How do we get to the sense of belonging when we're you know, interacting in, in workforces that are the most different than I think any of us could have imagined even four or five years ago? And, and that's all like really exciting and, and the possibilities are amazing but it takes work. It just takes work to get everyone, you know, at least, you know, minimally aligned. And that's where, you know, we kind of break it down again into a skills-based approach because without the skills, then what you need, and we used to have this, at least more so, let's say 30, 40 years ago, you had, you know, a more homogenous workforce, right? And the people that were, did track to the, the, the main, you know, demographic they were just quiet right <laughs> i don't think the same way these people do mm -hmm. so i'm just going to be quiet right well you know you didn't need skill for that you just need people that were willing to be quiet and the rest of the people didn't need skill because they all kind of thought the same way right those days gone they're never coming back which is great and now we need to actually intentionally build the skills right so that yes we might have different um perspectives on what good looks like and what respectful looks like but you know I'm always talking to my team members it's really no different 
Let's say you go to a different country. You don't know what their table manners are going to be. They're usually different. I remember when I was a teenager going to France, very nice French mom, and I said, oh, no, 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 Janine, no, we, we don't, we don't eat everything on the table. I'm like, you don't? <laughs> no, you don't, <laughs> right? So if you think about it, like from that perspective of like, we don't think twice about going to a different country and just, just knowing and expecting that there's going to be different customs and we need to learn about the mm -hmm. different customs. Well, guess what? Now we're here in our own workforces and that's okay, but we just need to be intentional about learning about each other. Now Shaq, a little bit about Janine because I talked to her a little bit more off to the side than you did. <laughs> you have a background in law. Oh yeah. What? Awesome. Yeah. Now listen, I have to ask you because it's very interesting. Usually when you're talking about DEI, mm -hmm. you're talking about law, policies, procedures. Mm -hmm. People kind of say, well, you know, how do you mix that? How do you intertwine those together? How do you marry, okay, everybody being their authentic selves, but you still have policies and standard operating procedures to put into place. Mm -hmm. What have been some of the hiccups that you've seen from you know a policy perspective that organizations they commonly you know i don't want to say mess up on because no organization might mess up yeah. maybe sometimes but <laughs> what have you seen as you know common mishaps that organizations do that really don't lend to number one people being their authentic self and yeah. number two just high attrition rates with high turnover rates yeah so let me if you would mind let me take us back a step so, you know, yes, I was an appellate lawyer. I did a lot of litigation. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of investigations. And that's actually what led me to DEI. And one, I think, you know, kind of motivator, hopefully, for DEI professionals is it starts with DEI. Mm -hmm. And we actually have a research report that we published last year that shows that. So meaning, if you build up the DEI muscle, and you build up, you know, the allyship and the empathy and the curiosity, guess what? You have less conflict. Yes. So the conflict comes from people not understanding each other, talking over, not, you know, not literally talking over each other, but they're just message, you know, given is not message received. Like they're just not, you know, on the same kind of wavelength. And that's just a whole bunch of friction. Yeah. But if you actually kind of spend your time and your effort on the DEI piece, everything else just kind of settles down from there. Yeah, that's what we tell people at work uh, when we do our presentations uh, to come to our workshops so that, we, so that you can get the tools that you need to address certain issues in the workplace so that you can speak up around unconscious bias, microaggressions, so that a complaint is not filed. Uh, it doesn't get to the point of where a discrimination complaint is filed. So that, that is how we sell the work too. So we, we have the same exact kind of message mm -hmm. and, and our data um, shows that when you're strong in DEI, guess what, you have less claims. Exactly, yeah. So listen, I know everybody in the audience is like, what is going on? Like I said, we are here at the front day one conference. They are moving stages. They are moving food. And I have to say the spread is good. But thank you so much, Janine. Uh, where can people find M-Train? You know, yep. where can they log on? So thank you for having me. M-Train is E-M-T-R-A-I-N.com. And if people log on to M-Train.com, 
We have uh, just recently published the 2023 Culture Report with some interesting findings and data in there. And we have a bunch of free resources for your folks either as well. Thank you. Free video library, so you can use our videos in decks, presentation mm -hmm. decks, and then free little nano lessons where it's a little video and, and a pulsing question. So that's- Wait, did you say nano lessons? A nano lesson. A nano, what's a nano lesson? A nano lesson is, is really a tool for trainers mm -hmm. and people leaders that are having you know conversations and to quickly you know show a video scene on a particular topic and then push out a survey question so that people can answer the survey question and everyone can see like how people think about a certain issue in a psychologically safe way oh yes we love that <laughs> we talk about psychological safety uh at work too uh Thank you so much. I'm excited about using some of your resources online. Okay. Yeah, my face is all lit up. Shaq, and, I'm now, thinking. Janine, if I look over at Shaq's desk because we sit back to back okay. and I'm watching her giggle away at the nano lessons, I'm going to email you and be like, thanks a lot. <laughs> my pleasure. <laughs> all right, everybody, stay tuned. Shaq, I think I, I'm going to go find the food and you go find our next guest, all right? No, you could do that. <laughs> And you like David's panel. It wasn't a panel. It was a breakout session. It was a breakout. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was a breakout session. I sat in on a panel. So what's going on, David? How's everything? Great. I'm having a great day here. So what are you, what are you doing here from day one? And I mean, how are you taking it all in? Sure. So I, I lead Achievers Workforce Institute. I lead a team of workforce and data scientists that focus on understanding what conditions need to exist at work so employees can do the best work of their lives. We do that through research and custom research. And uh, I'm here today actually talking a little bit about the importance of belonging, how every employee needs to feel welcomed, known, included, supported, and connected, and how when we do that really, really well, it's not only good for employees, but it's also amazing for driving business outcomes. Thank you, David. Uh, and I have to say, what a great presentation on the five pillars of belonging. I really enjoyed it. Uh, we actually do an equity, inclusion, and belonging survey once a year That's with great. our staff at our agency. And you know, one of the things we promote throughout the agency is transparency for mm -hmm. all of our employees, especially with leadership. Yeah. So for the first question, can you let us know how can leaders establish transparency in the workplace? Well, they actually just have to do it. Um, it's interesting. I um, we just did a piece of research which showed that only half of employees trust their employer. Uh, and we were also talking in our session today about uh, so many of the return to work policies are, are driven by what managers prefer and what the organizations prefer. And that just doesn't work for employees. Employees uh, expect to have a voice in determining what work looks like so that it can work for them. And they also uh, expect to be treated like adults. Mm -hmm. um, and transparency is a big part of that. For example, when we think about you know, the policies of demanding people come back to work, a big part of those decisions is based on the, the dollars and cents of maintaining offices that people don't occupy, yes. employees should be trusted to, to know that that's a factor in making that decision. And what we see is that when organizations do act transparently, they build trust and they build belonging. That's very good points. 
Oh, don't mind the background, Bill. Five more minutes. Five more minutes. Listen, David, I like the I like the audience to really feel the room. This is live. This is live, live. Yes, it is live. When it came to um you know, returning to work in a previous, um, at a previous organization that I worked for, they asked for a feedback yeah. um, for like how we felt about returning right. to work uh, when it was time. So can you um, explain why feedback is important in the workplace? Uh, and have you seen the effects of like folks not listening to staff, not listening to their feedback? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think when employees feel that they're not listened to, they vote with their feet. They, they leave. Um, as I shared in my presentation today, uh, just half of organizations are, are asking employees for this type of feedback. And, and under a quarter of employees have any confidence that if they do give feedback, that their organization's going to do anything with it. Yeah. You're asking about trust and transparency earlier. I mean, those two things absolutely impact trust and transparency. What our research shows is that when organizations ask for feedback at least four times a year, those employees are 50% more engaged. Yeah. And so I, I don't know that it means, as I said in my presentation, I don't know that it means doing more surveys, but it probably means if you are going to develop a product or a policy or you want to arrive at a series of principles, to involve your employees. Uh, because as I shared as well today, uh, what we do know is that the best ideas don't come from the boardroom. Yeah, yeah, they come from the employees. That's right, Yeah, the lived experience. So I have to ask you, you know, when you're putting together a blueprint to work with a team, mm -hmm. or you're putting together a blueprint to work uh, over, I'm, I'm sorry, not to work, but to have oversight over a department, yeah. and you're thinking about the different perspectives. We have like, workforces that are five generations sure yeah. what are some of the common mistakes or common pitfalls you see that you're just like ah that's a missed opportunity yeah i mean um well i think we just published a piece of research which showed that only 28 percent of employees would recommend their manager oh, wow um which is troubling yeah. Now we asked managers as well what's going on, and managers said about seventy percent of them said that they felt they weren't getting training enough mm -hmm. to be great at their job. Sometimes what happens is you stick around long enough in an organization, all of a sudden you're promoted into positions of leadership, but no one necessarily taught you how to be a great leader. Uh, we just published a piece of research on manager effectiveness, and we found that there were four key attributes to making effective leaders of teams. The first was frequent contact. So uh, making sure that you're creating time in your day and in your week uh, to, to be connected to your employees, not so that you can surveil them, but so you can support them. The, the second one is, is recognition. Um, recognition isn't just about the pat on the back that I receive. But it's about, you know, what are the what are our behaviors and our values brought to life? And so frequent and meaningful recognition, particularly from your manager. Uh, when employees feel frequently and meaningfully recognized by their manager, they are three times as likely to recommend their manager. So there's a direct connection to that. The third element is around coaching. So in the same way that managers had appetite to learn how to be better managers, employees have that appetite too. Uh, and they want support, really, from their manager, not just when the sailing is smooth, but especially when it's stormy. 
And then the last element, the fourth element is around professional development. We've seen a lot of talk over the last couple of days around um, around skills and soft skills in particular. So when managers recognize the soft skills that someone has, it can be a great predictor of their ability to move and develop inside the organization. It happens all the time, though. So I am here with Gemma Toner, <laughs> all right, CEO and founder of Tone Networks. Because yeah. you got to know your tone you so that we tone. cannot have you go on the phone and make an EO complaint. <laughs> We're not doing that. That's why DEI is at the foremost front. And you're going to talk about tone networks and basically how can you help organizations tone yeah, up absolutely. or tone down and set the, the and how about set the tone That's our set, tone. set the tone set, set the tone, tone for your organization set the tone for yourself as an individual mm. yeah. so that you get the life you want that's our goal I like that so before we yeah. begin all of this though what is your what is your philosophy on diversity, equity, and inclusion from the get-go? What are you all about? You know, I'm all about, you know, let's keep it simple. You know, and sometimes I take a step back from all the language and all the tactics and even all the surveys. And I think to myself, what is diversity, equity, and inclusion at its core? And it, it, it can be simplified to respect and kindness and empathy. And these are all terms and things that many of us learned when we were young. Yeah. And how do we reactivate those lessons and that behavior, quite frankly, um, in the corporate setting so that we can have places that are truly inclusive, where you feel like you can show up as who you are and that you're appreciated for that, that you feel like you're supported, and that you're also proud of where you are, you know? And I think if we can get that right, and it's a tall order and it's not gonna happen overnight, but you know, I always like to say DEI is not for the faint of heart. You know, we are, we have got to stay with it and we are making progress, but you have to keep hanging in there and, and gently pushing to, you know, make the progress that we want to see. Yes. Thank you, Gemma. DEI is like a marathon. It's it's an ultra marathon. It's continuous. Uh, with that said, we, we you talked about empathy. And um, so that takes a lot of transparency, uh, being your authentic self. It takes a lot of tra transparency. So tell me how can leaders establish transparency in the workplace? Yeah, I think leaders have to have that soul searching moment when they recognize that in order to be a great leader in today's world, you need to get comfortable with being human and being vulnerable and being able to say, you know what, I don't have all the answers today. And to not be afraid of that. I think that's really important. And so leaders need to lead and role model, quite frankly. You know, this is how I feel. How does everyone, does anyone else feel like this today? And, you know, with that opening of the conversation and showing that true vulnerability, you know, it's a beginning to transparency. And it's, you know, what makes a transparent workplace? You know, it's trust, right? Yeah. I, I, if, I, if I trust you, I can tell you my true self, right? Or I can exactly. share what I believe the issue is. But if I don't trust you, well, I'm going to hold back. 
and that's going to make everyone less productive and effective. Yes, building trust with your employees is very important. So can you tell me about uh, what are some important resources every organization should be able to offer to them their employees? Sure. I think, you know, what we believe at Tone Networks is that leadership starts from day one and that each one of us are leaders, whether you're leading yourself as, a, as an, an, a single contributor, if you will, an individual contributor, or if you're managing a team. And so I think the resources that organizations need to evaluate are how do we train and empower our early to mid employees, mm -hmm. right? So that they can make it through that talent pipeline and succeed in the organization. I think there are other resources like employee resource groups. Yes. You, know, you need to start building communities and those communities are not exclusive, okay? They are inclusive, all are welcome. You know, it's, it should be about learning and having the conversation and again, being open and vulnerable, you know? Um, I think those are two basic tools, which is have those ERGs and engage people, encourage people to participate, and to participate in a, an ERG that they may not identify as, right? It's like branch out, go learn something new, be curious. And then, of course, you know, Tone Networks really helps early to mid-stage employees get access to that executive coaching and that knowledge you get when you have a mentor or a sponsor. And not everybody gets that. Those are scarce resources, and that's why we created Tone. We wanted to find a way to take micro-coaching videos and make it easy for you to learn and get ahead. Where do you envision Tone Networks and where do you envision your DEI journey taking you? It's not a fair question because this might change okay. and, and this is on tape. Well, look, I never, you know, I worked in corporate America and thought I was going to do philanthropy. So mm -hmm. um, I didn't expect to be on the DEI journey that I'm on, to be completely honest. And then I saw that there was a gap in the marketplace when it came to getting people access to the knowledge you get when you have an executive coach and a mentor. And fortunately, my background was, you know, I'm in technology and content and data analytics, and I was used to writing business plans, and so here I am. And when we first imagined Tone Networks, remember, it's Tone Networks. Today, we're focused on underserved audiences, our sponsors, our mentors, our allies, and our community. And so where I see Tone is to continue to expand and develop content for all of those, what I consider audiences, these people that we want to support, but also, we also need to teach. And we need to teach, and that's where curiosity comes in. Yes. We need to teach our colleagues what it's like. And again, that's where the empathy comes in. So where I see us is to continue to expand on that front. We'll be continuing to use technology to make personalized experiences for every tone member. So it's based on what you're interested in, not what someone is telling you to learn or you know read, if you will. It's also about getting people to change. So. What I see is that Tone will be the catalyst to help companies and organizations help people develop, grow, 
be successful, you also need to change that mindset because when we talk about belonging and feeling proud of where you are, you know, it's a combination of where you go to work and the people you work with, right? And how they think. And so if we can get to that place, I think that will be a slam dunk. Thank you so much. And this is such great work you're doing. I really appreciate it, especially for women like me. I, I'm an introvert. I'm like I'm a woman. I'm I'm a black woman, and you know we need executive coaching to bring us up in a lot of these spaces. So I appreciate this work, and I, and it will continue, and you it will be great. I'm pretty sure you will be in all organizations. How do we find Tone Networks? Tone Networks. Okay, you find Tone Networks at tonenetworks.com. The Grinder Project podcast series is produced by the New York City Department of Social. Social Services, Human Resources Administration, and Department of Homeless Services. You can find us on the web at www.nyc.gov/dss.